Hello and welcome to the Tune Under pod. We remain the only dedicated Newcastle United podcast in the Southern Hemisphere. I did say last week we were going to try and turn the Southern Hemisphere black and white, but um, after the last two results, that's probably uh, going to get a little bit harder. <laughs> um, so I'm Jack and with me today is Bobby. How are you, Bobby? I'm going well, thanks. But how are you really, Bobby, after the other morning? Still haven't recovered, mate. <laughs> we'll get into that. That's all good. And Dimmy, how are you, Dimmy? Much better today, to be honest, uh, Jack. Struggled yeah. yesterday, but uh, it's uh, on to Burnley. It's Burnley, maybe a good job we're doing this um, a little bit after yesterday uh, because yeah. it might have been hard. <laughs> I don't think I could have spoken uh yeah on a on a podcast that was going to be streamed um yeah anytime yesterday um it's a good job for you though that at least one of your teams is doing all right so how was your how was your day last week at the melbourne victory against the not so mighty brisbane raw mate it was uh it was sensational actually um was at the pub for about five or six hours before the game um it was a beautiful sunday in melbourne it was about 21 22 Got the three points, three nil, clean sheet, top of the league, happy days. At least there's one of my teams uh, who yeah. can who can score and keep clean sheets. Brisbane, Brisbane are not good, are they? I'm, I'm not going to get my hopes up for anything with them this this year. No, no don't they're do they're, they're okay, but <laughs> yeah, they're not uh, they're not going to do anything this year. Yeah. Um. Anyway, one day we might have a Newcastle victory to talk about on this podcast, but today is not that day. Newcastle haven't won a game of football for over six months since we beat Fulham on the last day of last season. Already relegated Fulham. Uh, so we're going to pick through the debris of that draw against Norwich um, that kicked off early Wednesday morning here in Australia. And we'll also look forward to the next game against Burnley, which has taken on even greater importance uh, than it already did. So we'll be back after this and we'll get into the Norwich review. So, welcome back. So, the context for the Norwich game is that we would have gone level on points with them with a win. We would have gone within three points of Leeds in 17th as well, at least until they scored a late winner against Crystal Palace, which really was a kick in the bollocks after what we just experienced ourselves that morning. Uh, It almost feels pointless to discuss the initial team selection, uh, given what happened after nine minutes. But Bobby, I'm gonna I'm gonna come to you. It's five thirty in the morning. You're probably scrolling through Twitter and um, looking for the, the Newcastle team and the formation. When you saw what the team was and what the setup was, what was your initial thoughts uh, on the team selection? Uh, yeah, I think I was quite happy um, with the lineup, other than a certain central defender. And I made mention in our chat when it came out, it was a bit of surprise because. I think like everyone else, we we were expecting Fernandez to come in. Um, that wasn't to be, and it proved to be our undoing. And, yeah, the, the team selection over the, the last three weeks has, has had to be a bit miffed, to be honest. Um, there's been um, some mistakes that have been made that have probably cost us two wins. Um, and even the Arsenal game, I thought the fullbacks weren't right and but yeah to go back to your question i was pretty happy with the team and thought oh well we'll see how this goes mm. i think uh it was, we had proper fullbacks which was really good it was kind oh. of more um, almost because it was of necessity because richie was injured so that meant lewis came in which was very positive and i think mankio a lot of us have been saying for a while mankio is probably a better choice than Kraft. Uh, it, it's a little bit of a question about how much influence Graham Jones still has, isn't it, over this over this team? Um, and the the problem is, it's kind of Eddie Howe has not got that much sort of wiggle room or leeway to make mistakes at the moment because he's made a couple of team selections that maybe people wouldn't have disagreed with, and two of them, particularly with Darlow and Clark, have really proven to be quite costly. Um, Dimmy, what about you? What did you think about the team when you saw it? 
Well, I was happy that Lewis was back. Obviously, Richie, Richie being out made that uh, a lay down Mazaire. But like like Bobby said, I was very disappointed that Kieran was starting. Um, he hasn't given us anything to be honest all season. Fetty still remains, I believe, our best defender. And mm. with Lascelles out, um, he had he had to start. Kieran Kieran Clark is perhaps at best. Uh, a centre half in a back three, um, when you're playing five three two or, or three five two, but not not as a two in, in a four in a four at the back. So that was a a really bad decision, to be honest. And unlike Bobby said, it wasn't wasn't the only one. I mean, the Brentford game, starting Darlow, uh, starting Kraft and Richie against against Arsenal last week. There's been a couple of mystifying uh, team lineup decisions yeah. early, which which makes me. A little bit worried that Graham Jones is having a lot more say than we thought he would, um, and with how yeah. how and his team coming in, perhaps they're still trying to work out who the best eleven is. But we don't have time, unfortunately. We we need to get yeah. results now. There's no time for that, so it's 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 disappointing that that's still happening. But hopefully, we can put it right finally this weekend. I think that's the issue, isn't it? And it's really just being magnified by the two pretty bad mistakes from, from Darlow, and we'll get onto Clark in a minute. But it, you, you just said there, we don't have time for this um, because of the situation that Eddie Howe's been left with. He has to get everything right straight away, which is really tough. He's only had three games and he, he obviously wasn't at the at the Brentford game. Uh, it's not like he's had a full pre-season to be able to look at these guys and see what, what's going to be best. Fernandez is just bizarre. Unless he's been injured, you know, he's got... He's, he's getting on, but he's got caps for Argentina. He's quite clearly our best defender. Well, the rumours um, the rumors yeah. have been that he fell out with Graham Jones and that might have continued. And I just, I, I'm with Dimmy a bit. No, I think that Howe's relied on um, his assistant say, I suppose, because we got to remember Clark and Kraft weren't even in the picture under um, Bruce. Um, they were only reintroduced... Um, in the scene with Jones when he got the caretaker gig. So it's obvious that he's been relying on that and I'm hoping hoping now that uh, he's learnt his lesson um, <laughs> and he's learnt to just uh, back himself because I think he's seen now after the display um, Fetty's easily our best defender. Mm. It feels like he's kind of inching towards what his best team might be. It's just unfortunate that we've maybe dropped four points at least through mistakes or through decisions that were, were maybe could have been different. Um, I don't know what anyone thought about uh, Fraser starting as well. Uh, I think it was a, was it a four, four, two, or was it kind of like a four, two, three, one? It's hard to say because it changed so early, but what, what formation were we starting with? Do you think? I, I think it was a four, four, two um, transitioning to a four, two, three, one at some stages. I think, yeah. How is not going to have a settled formation lineup. I think in different phases of play they'll have different um, setups, but I think it was a pretty flat four-four-two to start with. Um, and I was happy with that. And to, I, I think Fraser can play a bit. I think he's quick. He, he's shown that he's probably the best crosser of the ball we have in the team, which we need to get balls into the box so Wilson has a chance at scoring. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't see any surprises. Even Willock. A lot of yeah. fans were upset that Hayden didn't start in front of Willock. I again, you saw when Hayden come on, he gave away possession so many times. Mm. He doesn't have that in him to play the systems that Howe wants, where you, you're trying to go forward. And so, for me, it wasn't. I prefer Willock, even though he hasn't been at his best. Mm. Um, I still think when he gets the ball, he protects it or he goes forward a little bit. Yeah, he so, carries it forward. So there was one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you go, Jimmy. Yeah, sorry, Bobby. I was just going to say, there's he he he, car he carries the ball forward. Sorry, sorry, Jack. He, he carries the ball forward. Joe Willick. There was one run I think late in the game where he dribbled past two or three and he carried it forward. Yep. And I don't think that's what Hayden Hayden's not there to do that. He's there just just to defend and cut. There's the, there's this idea that without a defensive midfielder such as Hayden, uh, that that we maybe lack protection for the defense a little bit, but. I mean, Hayden, he plays well sometimes, but it's not like he's sort of 
peak Makaleli or something, you know. Uh, he's not particularly a strong defensive midfielder as it is. So it's. I think that's maybe one position that we do need to try and target and get somebody in uh, when we can in that position. I don't know what you've thought about Wilson, captain, as, instead of Shelby. That was really notable to me because Shelby was always always captain whenever whenever he he played when Lascelles didn't play previously. So I'm not sure what, maybe whether Eddie Howe wanted him just to focus on his game or to not worry about any other responsibilities. I don't know if that was something that either of you picked up on. I just think he trusts Wilson. He knows Wilson. Um and I think he needed big characters in the situation we're at. I think Shelby sort of shown that he can be um, untrustworthy in, in some instances and you just don't want your captain like that. Um, and I, I liked it. I think Wilson stood tall um, and he, he has got that presence about him. So I think, yeah, I, I think it was more of a case of Eddie Howe knows him, trusts him and said, we're in a bit of a pickle here. We're in a, a situation where we need you to stand up and, it was more to do with that rather than the you know Shelby because I think Eddie knows yeah. him as well as all that. But yeah, in a big situation, John Joe has got a temperament issue. So um, yeah. yeah, I think it was a like I was really surprised, but I um, yeah, I liked it. I think it was a good decision. Yeah. Um. So we get to we get to nine minutes. Nothing much has happened. I was taking notes through the game. Nothing too much has happened by that point. Uh, Kieran Clark. First of all, he, he makes a mistake. He kicks the ball straight into into Puki from a pretty non-threatening position, and then instinctively, stupidly, he drags him down when he's clean through on goal. I don't think there's any any debate over the over the red card. Um, Dimi, Lady, he's made it. He's made a bad mistake. Instinctively, he's dragged he's dragged Puki down. Red card. What about first of all the, the decision for the red card, and then how did that impact Newcastle for the rest of the first half? I was a, it was a blatant red card. I mean, Lewis was sort of covering, but he's clean through on goal. You can't you can't justify anything else. And the fact that obviously it's an instinctual instinctual act pulling him back after he made the first mistake, but to to do that on within ten minutes of the game to leave us a player short um, was a was an absolute horrific mistake, and luckily for us, the first the first half turned out not too bad for us. I can't really remember Norwich having a clear opportunity after that. We we brought Ferdy on straight away and had to sacrifice Paul Fraser, who only got ten minutes. Um, but Ferdy Ferdy slipped in well, and as we thought we would, as 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 he has for us in the past, he's been our most reliable defender probably for the last two or three years. So the first the first half. We seemed pretty comfortable. We didn't keep the ball obviously well. We we threatened one or two times on the break from memory. Wilson had half a, half a chance on the turn, mm. but we it looked we looked comfortable. Everything was in front of us. It, it didn't look like Norwich were going to cause us issues. The the problem was going to be how long we could last. 80, 80 odd minutes with with ten men. How how that would um how that would affect us. It's funny because we actually got stronger in defence when the after the red card. So just by the fact Fernandez came on instead of Clark, it was actually defensively not a bad thing. We went to what looked like a four-three-two, so we actually kept two players quite far advanced still, which was Wilson and Saint Maximan. And Joe Linton came into this kind of midfield destroyer role, which he performed pretty well considering he's a whatever he is. Uh, so yeah, like what you've said there is right. Norwich had possession, but they didn't really threaten too much, and we. We gave a good account of ourselves in the first half. Bobby, thoughts? Yeah, so <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm still hurt. I, I just I keep shaking <laughs> thinking about the mistake, and it's sort of amplified as the game went on because Norwich provided absolutely nothing. There were no threat to us, and it sort of it made it worse because. <laughs> It was three points were there. Like we had eleven men on. I think the three points were were ours for the taking. So it's just it's really frustrating. But yeah, I think when we had a man sent off and we converted back to Fed there, we we sort of went back to type. We went back to being that defensive, which I think we've had that practice in the in the Crystal Palace game and the the Brighton game of mm -hmm. of being pretty solid. And you know, 
when we scored, we were deserved, um, deservedly in front, which just shows you how poor Nor- Norwich is as a, as a side, to be honest. And mm. yeah, the the decision of Kieran Clark to get sent off in the ninth minute is it's criminal to me. Oh, I'm shattered, absolutely shattered. Another two points dropped, to be honest. Norwich had sixty three percent possession by twenty two minutes. But as, you, as we said, they didn't really do anything with it. So I noticed that Sargent on the right wing had the ball quite a bit, but nothing particularly threatening happened. Billy Gilmore in the middle had a bit of possession, but didn't really seem to be to be too uh, incisive with that possession. Uh, the, the chances were for Newcastle, really. Joe Linton had a really good shot that flashed over the bar. And uh, St. Maximin almost created something out of nothing at one point. Uh, Pass to Wilson that was just cut out, and Joe Linton had uh, had another shot as well. So, you know, I think considering we were down to ten men, it was quite brave in a way to keep two two men up front. I think it, it really shows what what Eddie Howe thinks of Joe Linton that he trusts him to sit back into that midfield role and to to put go through the defensive work that he did. Yeah, I think Joe Linton's always been a hard working player, even when. He hasn't been um, everyone's cup of tea or hasn't shown any talent going forward. But, yeah, I think there's a player there, as I've said numerous times. I think he's a very good player. He'll be one of our most important in the run home because he just offers so much difference um, in attack. He's physical. He holds the ball up. Um, yeah, he can slip over now and again, and that tends to happen. But like his work rate's incredible. And he, you can see he loves playing for the club. And I think uh, that's all we... That's all we ask. We, we want a team that tries, and I think Joel Linton's um, you know, a big part of that. Mm. At the red at the red card, then, so it's it's nine minutes in. W- would you have taken a point at that stage? Were you still thinking? Because obviously, it's a situation where we really need three points. Dimmy? Well, at at that moment, I probably would have, to be honest. Thinking, thinking in my head, pro, trying to process what just happened. It wasn't <laughs> easy, but as I was processing, I'm thinking, okay, teams have done well with ten men before. They can, we might be able to nick a goal. Eighty minutes was going to be tough. I, I thought for sure Norwich would score. I thought there was no way we we're going to hold them out the way our defence has been going of late. So I thought maybe we can nick a goal. I can't see us nicking two. So that's my my theory was we're not going to score two with ten men. We might score one. So if you offered me a point then, I would have said, not good. We needed three, but we'll we'll take it, I guess. With with 10 men for 85 minutes, you can't really mm. ask too much more of the players from, from what, what they gave. And we get, we get to the second half then. So the second half was kind of a, a half of two halves in a way because we really came out the traps. Uh, we were really, really up for it. And... I've I've seen a lot of talk about the crowd, so you, it doesn't really come through on the TV too well. But mm. the crowd was phenomenal by all accounts, and I could really sense it was that Joe Linton penalty appeal, which probably wasn't wasn't a penalty, but that was on about fifty two minutes, and you could really sense a feeling that something was building, and that we were really we were really going to start trying to attack at that point or the crowd were up for it and I think we'd yeah. kind of pick, picked up as well that Norwich were not that good and that we, that we could get at them um, then we got we did get the penalty so what what were your thoughts and feelings at that stage Bobby when we got the penalty <laughs> I, yeah I was in shock because I think like the crowd when the red card happened and the first half was like a bit of a blur because you're just trying to process we were so desperate for the win and the three points and you just think you couldn't see how we'd get the three points at all. And you're thinking, oh, a draw is not good enough, but we have to take a draw and we don't know, you know. And then the second half comes and I think, as we didn't, as you said, you couldn't hear it on the TV, but I started to believe that hey, we mm. can we can beat this lot. They're, they're offering nothing. Like they have got nothing that really worries me other than probably Max Aaron's on the right edge. I thought he was quite good. Um, but other than him, I thought, we've got this in the bag. And then when Jolliton had a penalty, I was screaming and carrying on like an idiot. <laughs> me too. I, me too. I, I yeah. lost it. Yeah, penalty, you'll give it to everyone else. And I was yep. going nuts. And I, that 
that lift, you know, you could feel it, you know. Mm. It was six o'clock in the morning, but I was pumped. I was like, this. this is going to be one of these wins that you, you're going to have. And then when we got the penalty and um, yeah, Callum, Winston, Callum Wilson got it, and I didn't watch. I said I couldn't watch. So <laughs> my, two, my two daughters had come into the room, the lounge room, and we're eating their breakfast. And I said, just um, tell me if he scores. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and they did. And yeah, I just thought, we're on here. I think we've got it. Um, and about two or three minutes after that went in, I could start to see a bit of the players' hands on hips. I think we mm. came out in the second half really hard that our fitness level isn't great. Thanks, Steve Bruce, by the way. Um, yeah. It's it's pretty shambolic. But the boys just they, – they gave it their all in that first half of the second half. Yeah. We were absolutely shattered yeah, by the end of it. What about four minutes for the penalty to be awarded then? So it, it went to – it went to – I mean – as soon as it happened, all of the players, and you kind of know when something like that happens, when all the players go to the referee, like in that manner that it's it's a penalty, you know. Players don't do that unless... So it, it went to VAR and then th- that took a few minutes and then the VAR told the ref to go and have a look at the, at the camera. So then that took another two minutes. So I think it was four minutes in total between the actual incident and the, the award of the penalty. So I don't know whether that potentially affected things or made like Callum Wilson seems seems like a pretty cool character but it wasn't the best penalty. <laughs> well Tim Krull's Tim Tim Krull's got form of saving pens though. He's he, that was the one thing that was made me nervous. I thought, geez, Tim Krull's uh, almost a penalty specialist these days. Since Louis um, Hal brought him on in the World Cup. Yeah, game, since the World yeah. Cup yeah, yeah. since yeah. the World Cup against Mexico. Yeah, I remember watching that one at, at that was uh, a proud moment at, the, for us, at the casino, <laughs> yeah, at the casino. But um He's he's a big he's a big boy Tim Krul. He's got that mm. massive massive hand that old school goalkeeper style. And when he got a hand on it initially, I thought, "Fuck, he's missed it." <laughs> and then and then when the ball hit the back of the net, and I think I woke up my parents. I'm pretty sure I did. Um, started banging walls, and he thought, "Okay, <laughs> now we've got now we've got something to hold on to. We've got half an hour to go. The boys are like Bobby said, they look shattered, but." Mm. Norwich got nothing. They weren't creating anything. Didn't look dangerous. Weren't getting behind us. I thought, just don't, don't make a mistake. Somebody, just let's just sit, sit on it. Time waste. Do what you have to do. Take your yellow cards for time wasting. Let's just get to ninety. And unfortunately, we just, uh, we just couldn't yeah. do it. I've got my note from after. So I've got the penalty, and then my next note says, "Don't sit back" in massive capital letters. But um. That was about 70 minutes and Norwich had had no shots on goal uh, in the second half by that point. But I, I didn't really think at the time and I, I didn't consider the fact that the players were probably absolutely exhausted, yeah. you know? So it's it's sometimes natural to sit back when you're holding on to a lead anyway, but especially when the players have been working that hard for that amount of time. Um, he tried to he tried to shake it up a little bit. So Willett came off for Hayden and then... Uh, Almiron came on after 76 minutes for St. Maximan. Hayden did have that shot where he kind of flashed it across the face of goal as well, uh, which came kind of from nowhere, but there was nobody there for it. But yeah, so it was around that 70 minute mark where it was just a case of can we hold on to this? We were so, so desperate. And then it gets to it gets to 78 minutes and really Norwich still hadn't threatened. And then there's a, there's a nameless ball into the into the box, and Debravka. I know, I know that we've all we've all been saying we need Debravka back, and we do. And it maybe wasn't such a huge error, but Lee Lee, who also does this pod, he he's gonna get a bit, he's gonna get a big head. But he said after the Arsenal game that. Debravka and goalkeeper, modern goalkeepers don't seem to catch the ball, or they don't seem to like get it out as far as they should, and that kind it kind of happened. So the ball just came in, and Debravka sort of palmed it out. It it went. To, there was kind of two Norwich players there, and one of them just popped it back in. And I'm not sure there's maybe any any accounting for that finish by Puki because Puki's not that good. <laughs> But it didn't yeah, stop him against pass. against Newcastle. He of does. Course, oh, mate! Rifling a great finish into the into the top corner. But yeah, yeah what, what 
what did you think about Dubravka and the goal in general? How much blame goes on Dubravka for that? Yeah, unfortunately, I've got to give Lee credit. Um, which Not too much. We, don't, we don't like to do that, do we? We don't but, like um, to do that, no. It, as soon as as soon as it happened, it, I had his voice in my ear. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, Poor and, you. And before the goal scored, and I just thought it looked a Hollywood save. Yeah. It did. It looked like he didn't need to do that. He looked like he did it for the cameras. And it's something he's got to stamp out of his game. It it, it did cost us. It, he should have just either caught it or knocked it out. Um, mm. And he just palmed it into play where who knows what happened. So I think he's got to put his hand up and be at fault for that one. I, I You know, and as you say, though, like, Pookie doesn't score that against any other Premier League team. Probably not. Uh, maybe in the championship he does, but mm. definitely against no other Premier League team. And he scores a rocket and you think, yep, all right, done. Pookie could lash that, I reckon, another 50 times and he might have hit He might have hit the same shot twice. There was mm. no way he was going to hit it any sweeter. But unfortunately for us, he's just absolutely leather the ball and... Debravka couldn't do anything. I mean, he had to, like Bobby said, he has to catch it. It wasn't yeah. a hard cross. He's just got to come, come and grab it. It's there's no pressure around him. There was no danger. There was there was no attacker attacking the ball. He's just got to come and grab it. The last the thing problem, you can do is drop it in your penalty box. Yeah. Yeah. The problem was in the first half he did catch a couple, and I thought, oh, Lee's been yeah. calling calling the <laughs> <He's laughs> call on the hotline. Yeah. You've been saying. Get him to catch it, and he's been learning. And I thought, oh, that's great. And then, yeah, that happened. So it was, um, it was shattering and totally undeserved for Norwich. Like they didn't, they didn't no. deserve it. No, they didn't look like scoring. Like, like, like Jack was saying, they never looked like scoring. It was only going to come from a mistake. It was only going to come from a mistake. And that's what hurts the most. It's like I felt shattered for the guys. Like in all honesty, you just got to tip your hat at at the players because they gave their all. Like, yeah, you know, one fella makes a. A huge mistake in the game and they just don't you know the old newcastle would just drop their heads and we'd lose that yeah. 2-0 oh uh, crumble we would have crumbled yeah it would have been 2-0 down at half time yeah but just the fight had me really proud and when they scored it was more of that norwich didn't deserve it so it was like mm. bricks you know like yeah it's undeserving there was so much resilience and so much so much fight and newcastle fans often say we don't we don't demand a club that wins. We just want a team that tries, and a club that tries. And the club under Mike Ashley didn't try. But those players, those ten players on uh, on Tuesday morning, really did. They really, really gave it everything, and you could see that at the end. It's that sinking feeling when the ball goes in, and it's just oh. absolutely shattering. It was just, it? The, oh, it just, it just. I think I broke one of my. I'm not, not going to show you. I've got these. Um, I've got these little figurine dolls of soccer players on my um on my desk. I think I broke my Leo Messi one again. The head fall that fell off when I smashed <laughs> my desk. And I heard I could hear when I when I smashed it, I could hear my mum yelling, Don't do that again, don't do that again. Don't break the furniture. But um but yeah it's uh did, you can tell the players ex- as well. Did you explain yeah. to her what's just happened though? Did you explain I did. what's I said happened? look we just we just dropped <laughs> the goal. I said what what do you want me to do? I'm reacting in the moment. I'm not. It's not in hindsight. Yeah. I'm, this is my natural reaction. I had to punch something. Um, yeah, it was. You could tell the players as well. As soon as that goal went in, I thought, "Oh, we're we're screwed here. We aren't. We aren't coming back from this." And I thought, I actually thought we might lose from there. I thought just the momentum and the the fact that we've been holding out and ten men for already seventy minutes of the game. Mm. I thought this could this would go one way and. We'll talk about it in a minute. They did have that one uh, golden gonna, chance at the end. I was going to come on to that. So, Shah makes a mistake. and oh, what is he, the, what is he doing? Yeah. What is he doing? The Norwich player goes clean through and Dubravka redeemed, redeemed himself with a really good yeah. save. It, it, was a, it was a good chance. It was like sort of Joe Linton against Brentford sort of standard where he should have just put it in the corner, you know? The player oh, he's got to score. Scored. Yeah, he had to score. I mean, he had all day. Cher wasn't getting near him. And he had all day to pick his spot, and thank goodness to Bravka stood. He stood tall for as long as he could, and he made a sensational save. But I yeah. was waiting for the ball, the net to ripple there. I, I thought that was um, that was over. I think it compounds the Kieran Clark decision to pull back. <laughs> yeah. Norwich aren't a good team, and they, they don't have finishes. And yep, Sharp exactly. Made this, but he let the Bravka 
sort out his mistake. He he got the goalkeeper to do mm. his part for what a goalkeeper should do. Whereas Clark selfishly made the mistake and then did the, the horror pullback where if he had allowed Dubravka one-on-one with Pugia, I would have backed Dubravka. So it sort of compounded that again. We saw it happen in the end and Dubravka came through with what he does, to be honest. He's a shot stopper. Like he loves yeah. those one-on-one. So, you know. So this this point, another point, we've drawn seven games now this season. A couple of them, we, you know, we should have won. We should have beaten Watford. We should have beaten Southampton. We should have beaten Brentford. And without Kieran Clark's mistake, we we would have beaten Norwich, I think, as well. Yeah. This this is no comfort to us at the moment because we're in real trouble. We've we've played fourteen games now and not won a game, and we're into December. Where do you guys think this actually leaves Newcastle, other than up the creek without a paddle? <laughs> uh, where? Looking at looking at the whole context and the whole situation, where do you think this leaves Newcastle? I'm going to come to you first, Jimmy. Obviously, in a very precarious position, especially after Leeds' result, getting the late winner against against Palace. I mean, before before the first home game against Brentford, we we said to ourselves, okay, we've got Brentford, Norwich, and Burnley with Arsenal mixed in between coming up at home. We all probably thought. Seven points a minimum. Nine points would be obviously sensational, but we thought seven points minimum. So we've got two from six. So the the best we're going to do now is five, which is, which again, which which might not be enough in in what it looks like from the points table perspective. But for me, I I, I see something building. I can see something changing with the way we played against Brentford, Arsenal, less so. But the way we played yesterday with ten men, brought on had the better chances. There's something building. It's that first win. We've just got to, I don't care how we do it. We just got to, maybe, maybe we got to get Steve Bruce back on the touchline. Cause he had that, that <laughs> much, that, that, that much luck for two years. We need some of his special, <sighs> special powers to get some, get some uh, penalty or defender. Yeah, yeah. Get Freddie Fernandez a score a late winner or. Yeah. Yedlin. Yeah. Yedlin. Hayden. Hayden scored a goal against Chelsea. We need some. I don't care how we do it. We just need to get that first win. And I think once we get that first win, I think the the weight will lift off the shoulders of the players, and there'll be that the goal will seem a lot more attainable. I think from fans like us, and also from from the players. But Burnley becomes the the million dollar question now. That it it is the game. I mean, there's no there's no other way to put it. We don't get this win this week. It's just about curtains for us. Mentally more so than, obviously, there's still 23 games after this one. But mentally speaking, it'd be hard to pull away from the drop zone after after a, after a not win. We'll, we'll come on to talk about Burnley in the next part. Bobby, your thoughts about where this leaves the club on, on the whole? Because it's, it's, it's a day and a half or so after the game, so maybe thoughts have yeah. settled down a little bit since the time. But yeah, where do you think this leaves Newcastle? Yeah, um, naturally, I'm a pretty positive person, and mm. I have been right through, um, and I still remain positive. I've I do a little bit more digging to see what's going on, and we've been very fortunate that the teams above us haven't really blown away. I know Leeds getting the last minute hurt, but then Watford lost to Chelsea, and mm. remain. You know, they've got Man City next, and we've got Burnley. We win that with three points adrift from them. Mm. Um, outside the relegation zone. So we're still in it. Um, but Burnley, like, come back to me after Burnley because yeah. I'm like Dimmy, I can feel we're building something pretty special with a team that no one thought we could. Like, Howe's got the team he's got. He can't get, and to his credit, he's not talked about January and bringing in signings, but he's improved the likes of Jolinton, Shelby, you know, those types have become big players. I just feel something's building. So if we can just get that win against Burnley, I think you'll see a shift in the whole mood at our club. And we'll then attack games like Leicester. Leicester doesn't become yeah. an un- unwinnable match. Leicester's not in great form. And all of a sudden, we've got the momentum and, you know, anything can happen. As you said, 23 yeah. games with three points behind. 
don't give us up yet. I think the boys deserve us. They've worked hard. They've obviously worked hard on the pitch and they're showing signs of what we can do. There's just been a couple of mistakes and I think we used up all our luck under Steve Bruce, unfortunately. Mm. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I feel this is a good story at the end of it and maybe it's just the bias in me, but I just feel that no one's stayed in the Premier League after not winning a game after 14 matches. So let's be the first. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, we're not that far away, to be honest. Nobody, back in the day, nobody had qualified for the next Champions League stage after losing the first three games. And Newcastle did that with that big uh, final win. So, you know, records like that are there to be broken. I was feeling despondent after the game. and then, But then I was thinking about it like you, Bobby, and I realised that, it, yeah, what you said about Watford. So they've got Man City next. We've got Burnley and then, you know, if those results go away, there's three points in it. So, and I think looking at the the whole context as well, looking at the big picture. So I put this I put this out on Twitter as well. So eight weeks ago, not now, but eight weeks ago yesterday, Newcastle United still were owned by Mike Ashley, still were managed by Steve Bruce. We didn't we didn't know that this takeover was going to happen. So the amount of times that I've said over the years that I would take pretty much anything to get rid of Mike Ashley. I would have taken relegation and, you know, years in the in the lower leagues to get rid of him because he was such a drain on the club. So if the worst does happen and we do get relegated, you know, we don't want to talk, talk or think about that yet. But even then, I still think the club's in a better position than what it was with Mike Ashley there. So I think there's, there's, there's a long way to go. I think we've got a really good manager. I think I'm, re- I'm really positive about Eddie Howe. Yeah. So, kind of regardless of what happens, I think if he can get his best team, best team out there, if we can pick up some good signings in in uh, in January, uh, then I really do feel quite positive about the club. Even if we even if we do go down, which you know we might, we have to face up to that. But as you said, there's still such a long way to go, and there's a lot of football to be played. And I'm not I'm not scared of Leicester, or I'm not scared of Everton. I'm not scared of Man United at the moment either, really. No. So we'll just we'll just um. Ignore the fact we've got Man City and Liverpool in consecutive games and uh, go on holiday for those games or something. But yeah, I think I, I really do think there's a lot to be positive about. So, despite that yeah. uh, upsetting outcome on uh, the other morning. So, what we're going to do now is we'll have, a, we'll have a quick break and we'll come back and we'll, we'll review the next most important game in the last 10 years, which seems to happen. Every three, three or four days at the moment, uh, and we'll we'll get into the Burnley the Burnley game after that. So we'll see you then. Welcome back to the the Two and Under Pod. We've just done the the Norwich review, and now we're going to have a look ahead to Burnley. It's one o'clock in the morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Queensland time. Two o'clock, Victoria time. So Burnley have only won one game this season. Uh, they've not got a good record at all this year. They haven't looked particularly good. They've actually been involved in a few exciting games, which is very un-Burnley-like. I think they seem to have signed quite an exciting player, Maxwell Corner from, uh, I think it was Leon. Yeah. Uh, so they're not just kind of pumping the ball towards Ashley Barnes anymore these days. And Chris Wood, <laughs> they actually seem to have a little bit more about them. Uh, they their game against Spurs was postponed uh, at the weekend, and then they they got a nil nil draw where Wolves it was this morning. Yeah. So it, it's another massive game. I think after we've after we've played this game, we'll have played Southampton, Leeds, uh, Brentford, and uh, Norwich and Burnley all at home. So we're really you know we really need to w- to win this one just for the confidence uh, as much as anything. So I'll come to you first, Bobby. So what do you, what do you hope from the, the team selection? Richie and LaSalle are back. Are they going to get straight back in? What do you think we're going to, how do you think we're going to approach this game? And how do you think we need to approach this game? Um, so I hope that we have the same back four that we ended with at Norwich. I really do. I think, Fernandez has to start now, and I thought he justified his his spot then um, against Norwich. 
Burnley still do have Chris Wood, so they do like to <laughs> like to him. Unfortunately for us, though, as you pointed out, they do have a, a very, very talented player in uh, Maxwell Cornet at his feet now. Uh, I noticed they played a 4-4-2 against Wolves. Um, and, yeah, they're a really hard side to break down. So I'd like to think we go with the same formation and line up with exchanging Clark for Fernandez and keep it as we did and just attack them, just try to to break them down and um, play that gung-ho we seem to do at St. James. Um, and, and go Because, I mean, they do have Dwight McNeil, um, Goodison on the wings and stuff. So it, it doesn't – they're good players, but they're nothing better than what we have, to be honest. So I'd like to think that we don't make too many changes. I don't want LaSalle's back, um, but I fear that – they might bring him in because he's bigger and stronger. Um, and the Chris Wood factor, who always seems to score. There's always a striker <laughs> that seems to score, score against us. The New Zealander. Long list. Long yeah, list. Yeah. The Kiwi, um, you know, we were linked with him at one stage, weren't we? Um, yeah. yeah he, he's, a, he's quite a, a handful for – but I think Fernandez can handle him. So, yeah, I hope they stick with the, the same team – that was there against Norwich, but replacing Clark, obviously, for Fed. Do you think we should get someone sent off after nine minutes just to see what happens again? Well, I prefer if they don't, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but I, think, be... I think Burnley will capitalise more so than yeah. Norwich. Yeah. yeah. They're a good what... team, Burnley. Like, I think this, when I was looking at both fixtures, I thought we needed the six points against Norwich because Burnley's going to be a harder nut to crack. I, I, I've got respect for Burnley. Um, I think they, they always are floating around relegation zone, but they somehow lift themselves up because they just become this hard team to play against. And, you know, whilst it's not everyone's cup of tea, you just got to respect different types of football. Like, they know they're not Manchester City. They're not going to play ticky-tack football. They play Burnley-style football and it's their way and all, you know, fair play to them. So it's going to be a hard contest, though. They've got to draw at Stamford Bridge, Luke, as well, so... Yeah. You know, the, the, it's it's good to, to laugh at Burnley sometimes. But, yeah, you're right. They, they usually end up around the bottom of the table and then they usually pick up a run of kind of five or six wins and all of a sudden they're out and they're not in relegation danger anymore. So I think once once Sean Dyche leaves, they probably will just sink. You know, they could just go back into the championship and do what Stoke have done and just not, not be seen again in the Premier League. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're certainly not not an easy team to play against. It's a good job St. Maximin seems to like playing against them. So we need to start him. Uh, Dimi, any thoughts on Burnley? Yeah, or so I was just... Newcastle, how we should Yeah, start? Yeah, I was just going to say, last year St. Maximin was pivotal in both in both fixtures. He scored a terrific goal at St. James's and scored that brilliant goal at Turf Moor as well. I remember that game we were... I'm pretty sure that was to put us out of the relegation zone. It was a huge game yeah. for us. We're one nil down at halftime, playing like absolute dog shit. Yeah, we thought we're done here. We we are going down. We are going down without a fight. And then Sam Maximan pulls that brilliant solo effort um, from nowhere. And we're going to need, I think, like Bobby said, they're hard to break down. Burnley, they're a pretty organised team. Sean Dice has been there and done that in terms of setting his teams up, they're going to be a hard nut to crack. So we might need that something a bit different, someone, someone to beat a player, to do that something a bit special to to crack to crack them. So St. Maximan for me is, is going to be very important. And I think as well another crucial player for us on the weekend will be Fraser. I think Fraser mm. for me has the – has there's something about Fraser and Wilson that I think is going to, is going to come to fruition in the second half of the season. I think – the service that we get to Callum Wilson and, and Joe Linton in the middle is, is going to be crucial. I think Fraser offering us that balance with San Maximan on one side and Fraser on the other is going to be very important. If we can get San Maximan to to hold out two of their defenders and they double up on him, that, that should give Fraser that space that he needs. And like Bobby said, he's probably the best crosser of the ball we've got. And against Burnley, that's probably one one thing that they're going to relish and we, we need to match him in that area. So... It's it's going to be yeah it's it's going to be an interesting matchup on on the flanks I think. I know that we don't want Richie to come back in, but do we think he is going to come back in? I don't I don't I don't think so to be honest I don't I don't think so. So L- Lewis played I think that well yesterday and 
you, you can hear how Howe's comments after the game. He was very complimentary of, of Jamal's performance. Yeah. I think it'd be criminal to drop Lewis after that game. And it, it would just shatter the kid's confidence. He's, he seems like he's somebody who needs the arm around the shoulder, that bit of confidence saying, you can do the job. He's, he's your runner fix. Just go do it. So I, I wouldn't drop drop Lewis. There's nothing saying you can't play Richie as well, but further up the pitch, if mm. you wanted to do it, go that way. And that's that's what he is. He's a winger. He's not he's not a yeah. left back. And I think now that Lewis has got back into the team, I think we can, unless Lewis gets suspended or injured, I think we can finally get rid of that Matt Ritchie to left back or left wing back experiment. It's 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 just not yeah. going to work. It hasn't worked. It's never worked. And especially the way we want to play, we'll just get absolutely burnt down his edge if 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 we keep keep him keep him playing that that side. And so it, and it, it would be nice to get Dummett back as fit as well, just as another option. He's a yeah. you know, he's, he's he's a solid left back. Uh, Rafa Benitez said he was just a seven out of ten player. So, and you know, in the later stages of his career, he has been that he's been consistent. He just hasn't been able to stay fit. But I think having him back as an option would be good. In terms of in terms of Lascelles, I, I really can see him coming in for for share, just because it's Burnley, and I think Ivan Tony showed against Fabian Share that. He's not, you know, he can be beaten in the air. Burnley are likely to play a lot of direct balls to, towards Chris Wood. Uh, so if they stick him on share, that could be very, very difficult. So I, I can, that's why I can just, I can see the cells coming back in for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, can understand, I can understand that, that sort of thinking. Um, I'll put it this way I wouldn't be too upset if that change happened, yeah. although I don't think it's needed. I, I personally think that. Shah offers us so much in an attacking sense from the, the the back position that he that's more vital. We've got to score goals. I don't mind um, being susceptible at the other end if we're going to score at home. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's yeah. the way we've got to play. To have Shah, he he did it a few times where I mean one almost cost us in the end, but where he tries to take on, but he got one or two players, and then it, it opened it up. The space just yeah. was there for uh, for Shelby to just to run into, and then create a pass so with um matt ritchie i can't see him being in the team and i'm eddie howe's biggest fan I, I, and it happened over a couple of weeks as soon as he was now so i did a lot of research on the bloke and yeah. fell in love with him i just think he's the perfect manager for newcastle and i think he's he's underrated and i think he's really good but his team selection has me worried um yeah. and if he brings richie back into a left back position i will be really devastated i think um I'm hoping now, as we said earlier in the pod, that he's sort of coming and getting his mind around what the best team is. And I think he's seen now Jamal Lewis at left back. Okay, I can work with him. Yeah. Um, and Fetty Fernandez in the middle. I think I'm hoping that he's he's seen that. Um, so yeah, let's let's hope Richie. I think Richie off, off the bench is quite good, but not don't start with him. No. I, I keep thinking as well that Almiron seems like an Eddie Howe kind of player. He works hard. He's got that. He's got that pace. Uh, it's whether he can where he fits into the team. Because if you're gonna play, if you're gonna have Fraser, Jolin, and Saint Maximin and Wilson, then Almiron doesn't fit into that team. He's he's not a central midfielder. So maybe it's just because Eddie Howe said a couple of times about players that he hasn't had chance to see much of them, and obviously there was the international break. So maybe he just wants that that bit longer before you can you can trust Almiron to start a game. Or maybe he just does, you know, he knows Fraser, and he's obviously a big fan of Joe Linton. So maybe he just wants to stick what's what's kind of been working in an attacking sense at the moment. Yeah, I see our yeah. line as the odd man out. I think I I even think getting towards January we might see a surprise there. With um, I don't see how he fits into an Eddie Howe team. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I, yep. I just think he's. Yeah, you know, he's pace to burn, and he gets into good place. He's a hard-working lad, but his technical ability, mm. and his position where he plays, I don't, I don't see it. And I'm a big Almiron fan. I think coming off the bench in the second half in teams, if we were ever to have eleven men in the pitch, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be equal to come on in the second half to handy. To run, run teams is handy to have, but starting, I don't see how you can. I'm not dropping Joel Linton. I'm not dropping yeah. Maximum. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's the odd man out. And it'll be interesting, the January transfer window, what it shows, I think, mm. with Almiron. He doesn't fit into the 4-3-2 formation, does he, that we play when we get somebody sent <laughs> off? 
Nah. <laughs> oh, he, gosh. We'll play, play Kieran Clark again when he's not suspended, just so he can get sent off and we can practice playing that formation. <laughs> Look, there's been, there's been a lot about Kieran Clark and I was angry, as you all know, mm. in the chat with Kieran Clark. But, I mean, having time to digest it, yep, we, we shouldn't pay out his contract and send him away. We shouldn't abuse the guy anymore. Like, I think he, he did a lot of good things for us, getting us back up. So, um, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that's I agree right. with you. No, yeah. I agree with you. He's been, he's been a pretty steady um, player for the club and he's scored a couple of important goals. He shouldn't be starting games in the Premier League in 2021, but we all that's know that. Fault we all that's know that anyway. Fault. That's not his fault. And I'm glad he hasn't come out and done like an apology because I cannot stand when players are doing these, these big apologies for mistakes that they've made. Bruno Fernandes did it for Man United when he missed a penalty, you know. It's like, it's football, mistakes happen, you know. Obviously, yeah. it was it was bad, but everyone knows he feels terrible about it anyway. So, apologies don't do any good. We, we might actually need to rely on him again before January in, in the next busy period. So, and, you know, Newcastle fans will give him support. We're not going to... We're not going to abuse him or anything like that. And he doesn't deserve that. We need to get behind him, I think, if he does play again. But let's just hope he doesn't play again. <laughs> yeah, we won't abuse you, but just quietly don't, don't play again. Don't ever put, yeah, don't ever pull a shirt again. Don't ever pull the shirt on. Get injured if you need to. Just don't play again. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it just shows, like, it doesn't show, like, what, how, you know, we've been under Ashley, just no investment. The same defenders that were in the championship are still there. Yeah. Um, Rafa, Rafa seemed to turn him into gold, but I think that was mm. just um, painting over the cracks, to be honest. Um, and, and yeah, it just shows that we're that far away from it. But hopefully, it, uh, we get to January. Yeah, there's a huge mess to clean up, you know. And Eddie, Eddie Howe's not going to be able to do that in three games. Hopefully, by the time he's had 10 games, he might be able to be on the way to that but we just have to hope we're not too far adrift we don't have that kind of time to be able to uh, be making mistakes in team selection or whatever we, we need to start getting it right now so it'll be very interesting at uh, midnight or one o'clock in the morning on Saturday night to see what the what the team is any final thoughts on Burnley before we wrap up just win just, just, just win yeah. <laughs> that's we, all we, we need can, we can all get on board with that win yeah. However, you have to win. Just win. No red cards. No red cards. <laughs> it makes things a bit interesting, doesn't it? Though, let us practice Not that at formation. All. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Right. So, obviously, huge game. Another huge game coming up on Saturday night. So, you can actually join a few of us who are who are doing a live watch along for that. I think Bobby and Craig are Craig are in for that. As ever, thank you for for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube. We've already had a thousand views on YouTube, which considering we've been going for two weeks, is pretty good going. And we've also had a few questions come in, which we're going to have a look at when we've got a bit more time, when the football calm downs a bit and it's not so many games. And we're available from all the usual podcast places. We're also on Twitter at TuneUnderPod. Uh, we'll be back for the review of Burnley next Tuesday. Cheers, boys. Thanks very much. Thanks, Jack. Let's, let's keep on crossing our fingers for that big three points that we so desperately need. Thanks, Jack. Bye for now. See you guys.